want conflict where people are bought in and they're asking the hard questions and um, you know they're able to share kind of their opinions on things even if it differs and um, and to work through those um, you know in a trusting environment um, but when you don't have it then that's where people start second guessing another fantastic episode of the simple profits podcast and i'm here with my friend phil gibbon today phil how you doing hey doing great thanks jake glad to be here yeah yeah awesome and one of the kind of things that's bubbling up uh around if you're an entrepreneur if you're a business owner you're probably seeing a lot of this roll around is uh fractional fractional ceo fractional cfo but i haven't seen a ton of fractional hr stuff and phil that's what you do right that's exactly what I do. Uh, yeah, I saw that same kind of area of opportunity and decided to jump on in. That's cool. That's cool. Okay, so I, I think most people have a pretty good idea of what HR kind of is, but give us your take on what HR is and how you got into it in the first place. Yeah, uh, everyone usually has the image that comes to mind of HR is like Toby from the office, right? Like that's usually the first like image that comes in. Like, oh, that's HR. Yeah. Uh, and it's funny, it's uh, I think HR over the years has been going through a rebrand. Uh, you see it, you know, people, culture, uh, people try to call it all different things to get away from the typical HR kind of world. Uh, but I always tell people like HR has kind of two sides to the coin. One is the admin side that you're probably used to admin and compliance, uh, which is kind of the payroll benefits, you know, paperwork, all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's a whole other side of the coin that is usually what creates the most headache for business owners and uh, takes up the most time, but also has the most opportunity for increase and in profit. Mm-hmm. And that's really the HR strategy and the talent strategy and um, employee relations, the culture, kind of the softer kind of uh, uh, area, um, leadership development. Um, so I always tell you, well, like it's both. Uh, there is that you know technical side, which is required. I mean, if you want someone retain someone, you have to have good paperwork. You have to pay them fairly and have that documented, and you have to follow the rules of the of the, the laws of the land. Um, but then there's the other side. Is like, all right, how do we attract great talent? Uh, how do we retain them, and how do we invest in them and grow them? And that's different than the uh, than the admin side. For sure, for sure. That's a great overview. A lot of people think of paperwork, and I love that you referenced Toby. Office is probably my favorite show of all time, but uh, I didn't hate Toby like everyone else did. I felt more felt sorry for him. Yeah, yeah for <laughs> but, sure. Um, yeah, so we've got the, the paperwork side and the stipulations and rules, but then, like you said, there's a huge opportunity there to grow people, which yeah. is fantastic. So is, is that how you got in the door from that side? Yeah, yeah, I got in the door uh it was probably a typical hr journey i didn't start as like an hr generalist and you know admin and kind of work my way up um i started kind of on the operation side um working at a franchise corporation and being in charge of their whole like day-to-day operations and mm-hmm. so part of that was hr uh, but i really had you know so many parts of the business reporting to me so i started on the kind of the business operation side fell in love with the hr and people side and you know felt a call to really create workplaces that were life-giving um, and decided to kind of pivot and really focus on the people function. And, uh, you know, um, in the middle of my career is when I went back, got my MBA and just kind of bet on myself and was like, all right, I think I'm going to take this path and this is going to be my uh, kind of career journey. And 
um, I've loved it ever since. That's great. So I heard you say life giving. Talk to me yeah. about that. What does that mean? Yeah. Uh, well, I kind of look at, you know, if you go back to even like the theology of work and work, it's like we go back to Eden and in Genesis 2 is like Adam was working like in Eden. Like that was an element of like life is work. And it was like I imagined back then, like for Adam, it was life giving. He was like, this is what I was designed to do. And this is amazing. And I get to do all of this. I get to cultivate the land and do all these things and name all the animals. Uh, and so I go back to that. That's just kind of what work was generally first created to be like is life giving. Um, and um, you see that like the majority of our life is spent if you were at work. And then even if you think about like your work in general, like I was just talking the other day about like the Sabbath and resting from work and it's like, well, does it, is work just supposed to be just work? Like the five days we're out at our job, but like there's lots of other things we do in our life that could be considered work. Right. Um, but I've always thought of like, all right, you know, in the typical sense, like we spend, you know, 40 plus hours at our job and work. And if you can create a space where people are doing their best work more often and they're feeling valued and um, it's life giving for them then I see that as like that ripple in the pond that just kind of extends out to their family and their community and their church and, and everything. And for me, I've seen the opposite, which you probably have too, where yeah. work is not life-giving and it affects relationships. It affects how you engage with others and it's a drain. Uh, you just want to come home and not do anything. Um, and so, yeah, I felt the call to kind of create those life-giving workplaces and that I feel like we are, created to have and how do we get back to that and that doesn't mean that like every workplace is going to be life-giving for every person um, but i think we can create clarity on what this workplace is how do we create life-giving workplaces that resonate with this type of person mm. and um and in doing that hopefully you know we'll create a little ripple that will better the world uh overall and honestly like for me it's like i work with kingdom driven, you know, kingdom minded entrepreneurs and business owners. And I'm just like, man, what a better way to, you know, shine light and to have people see a reflection of the kingdom, like through how, you know, they're experiencing it through their work and how they're treated and valued and, and everything. Yeah. And you see a, a pretty big trend these days on values driven corporations, mm -hmm. right. And, and, yeah. um, what's the other, uh, B, uh, B Corp. B Corp. Yeah. And things like that. Talk to me a little bit about how you see, that kind of life-giving kingdom-minded when it's coming from a Christian, uh, how, how per pervasive is that actually from what you see out in the workplace right now? Yeah. Um, can you repeat that right quick? You were, you just put out just like on the, yeah, so uh, we're hearing a lot about values driven, um, yeah. stuff going on. And, and a lot of times we'll hear about things and it's not actually going on. <laughs> uh, so I'm just curious how, how much of that are you seeing people lean more into that? to go, we want to be a values driven company. Yeah. Um, I see it. Usually there's like an inflection point where there's like a challenge or like, there's like a, there's usually like some drama or something that goes on where a business owner as they're scaling realizes, wow, okay, maybe I haven't clarified my values and I've maybe hired the wrong people, you know, the wrong people, wrong seat. Um, and you know they they have this point of like wow like how do i you know my values are not being lived out like i'm not finding people that have the same values as me 
and they're making decisions that I wouldn't agree with and they're acting in ways that I wouldn't want to act or have my employees act um, and it's causing conflict. And so they get to a point usually where like, we have to codify that, we have to write it down. And that's when they go through that mission, vision, values exercise and they're writing it down. And then, then they have to go through and like, how do we, you know, create that as part of our culture and like really seep it through the whole employee experience from when we hire people to when we fire people. Um, but it usually doesn't start out, especially if you're like a first time business owner, it doesn't just like naturally you don't gravitate to like, yeah, let's highlight all these values. And this is what we're going to have our business be. You're just trying to survive and get to a million and, and beyond. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh yeah, like we have to write this stuff down and what do we value? And, and really it comes down to the leader. It's like, what do they value? Like, who are they? Who are they? Like, who do they want to work with and be around and what, do, you know? What are things that they like what's kind of the part of their identity and then out of that stems you know the organizational values and and when you provide clarity in that um, like that's one of the biggest rules for leaders clarity for their their employees and when you provide clarity on the values and what you stand by and you've seen a lot these days like even going further to clarify what they're for or not for um, that helps people either opt in or opt out they can then decide, yeah, I want to be a part of this company and I have similar values and, um, or they can be like, Hey, you know, I don't share those same values and they can opt out. And that's, that's great too. Like sometimes that's the best right. decision you can make as a uh, owner and as an employee is be like, Hey, we don't have shared value systems and, um, you know, maybe it's time to part ways. Um, you actually mentioned that off air, um, that knowing when to fire someone can actually be a, a profit maker in the long run. So talk to me a little bit about hiring and, and firing in particular, because I think that's something I know I hear my clients struggle with a lot. Yeah. Um, is when and how, and what does that look like? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, once you like have defined, like it's once you define like what a, you know, what values you're looking for, what behaviors you want in an employee and a teammate, then you can start figuring out, all right, how do I find them? How do you want to communicate that, the potential candidates? Mm -hmm. And then how do you, you know, uh, when you're going through the interview process, how do you find that? How do you like, you know, is this someone that has like high ownership and can handle lots of change and uh, ambiguity um, or not? Uh, and so you can, you can go through that. And then once you get in, then you have to remind them and recognize people like that are exhibiting those values. And right. it's the, I always love, like, if you have values and you want to, you want to reinforce those, I would much rather do that in a positive way. People learn better if, through that positive mode. So recognizing people, um, calling out the values that you've seen them living out in the last week or month or whatever. Um, and that reaffirms it and makes people have those happy hormones where they're like, Oh, I want to get more of that. Uh, and then you get people excited and the energy keeps going. Um, but then at a certain point, you know, if people continue to not live up to those, then you do have to part ways. Cause if you let people stay on that aren't exhibiting kind of those values and behaviors that you want, you're also creating clarity for the other employees of like, yeah, those things don't matter. Like at the end of the day, they're just on the wall and, like I see someone like, say there's like humility is one of your core values. And you're like, we want people with high, high levels of humility, but then there's a person on there that's clearly about themselves and driven by, you know, you can see elements of pride mm. and you let them stay on. 
you're just communicating to everyone else. Yeah, like we don't really matter. This don't really matter. Mm-hmm. And then what that does is lowers people's levels of trust, mm-hmm. trust in the organization, trust in the leaders. Right. And like we know with like Lincioni's, like, you know, five dysfunctions of the team, like trust is at the bottom. And so if you want profit results, you have to build a high trust culture. Um, and uh, yeah, so that that ties all together to it. So you do when you let people go, that also reinforces your, your culture, your values. And, um, and I think can lead to health and profit in the future. If you make those decisions, you know, fairly quickly and, and, uh, make them wisely. Yeah. So what, what do you think about the saying, uh, hire slowly and fire quickly? Uh, hire slowly. Uh, it depends on the urgency of the company generally. Yeah. Like you want to hire diligently, Mm-hmm. Um, slowly though, uh, can lead to you missing out on a candidate, sure. a great candidate. So there has to be some sense of urgency when you hire. So I would say more of like hire thoroughly. Okay. And if that means that it just takes a week and you've like really dove in and you've, you know, analyzed everything about their resume and background and all that, and you feel comfortable, then, mm-hmm. then great. Like, but okay. you don't want to just say, well, let's take a month to do it. And then you're going to lose them as a candidate or, right. you know, so hire thoroughly. And then I'd say in the beginning, you want to hire quick or fire quickly. Um, it depends though, like later there can be a risk if you hire someone or fire someone quickly and say they're in a protected class hmm. and they didn't have, you know, there's no, you didn't follow your discipline policy um, you didn't give them a chance to, you know, correct whatever behaviors you're seeing and coach them and, and try to, you know, really, you know, give them a plan. Like we'd want to have a plan if it was us, then that's where you can get into a sticky situation legally. Cause then they leave bitter and angry. And, uh, then they want, that's when people are more likely to sue a company and say, Hey, like I was, you know, fired, you know, because of this and that was wrong. And, now I'm coming after you. Um, so, but there are reasons like in the beginning, the first 90 days is when I'm like, yeah, right. like move on. If there's already clear things of like, yeah, this is not going to work out. Yeah. Um, that's when I would say move on as quick as possible in the first 90 days. After 90 days, you're kind of committing to them mm-hmm. and saying, okay, like I'm going to commit to when things are going to go wrong. Like, you know, I know there's going to be failure. We'll accept failure. I'll help coach you and develop you but there is an ownership of, you know, you have to own the things I want you to work on. Um, but you're kind of investing into them at that point and hopefully giving them a fair process. Like we would all want a fair process if it was us. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it sounds a lot like dating. <laughs> yes. You got looking for those red flags early. <laughs> yes. I'm going to jump on it. If it seems like a good thing, you know, I let them fly away, but then mm-hmm. yeah, after a while you're kind of in there and you just need to make sure that you're working hard and it's, yeah. it's purposeful. So it's, it's higher th- thoroughly and yes. fire more maybe purposefully uh, yes. based on evidence, right? Yeah. So, okay. interesting. So as, as we're working through um, creating environments that, that are full of life and have lots of opportunity, and Lentilini also talks about momentum with trust. So does uh, Simon Sinek. You know, there's lots of momentum with trust. Uh, can you help people who haven't heard that or maybe haven't thought about that very often, how that trust turns into momentum because obviously when you hit momentum strides that that clearly leads to profit because you can 
yeah. land projects faster. You can finish them quicker. You can get referrals better. Momentum is really important for a company. So yeah. yeah. How does that connect together? Yeah. Well, I kind of look at the opposite side. Oh, if you look at the one layer above, it's like unhealthy conflict, right? Mm -hmm. And that's what I think drags a lot of people down is that conflict that's not healthy. Mm -hmm. Like you want conflict where people are bought in and they're asking the hard questions and, mm -hmm. um, you know, they're able to share kind of their opinions on things, even if it differs and, um, and to work through those, um, you know, in a trusting environment. Um, but when you don't have it, then that's where people start second guessing. They start, you know, maybe making decisions that, you know, you don't want them to make or creating, um, you know, going to someone else and starting to say, hey, can you believe we're doing this? And then all of a sudden it distracts people and mm -hmm. um, creates drama and conflict that eventually slow the business down and slow your momentum down. Um, and so that is, uh, I think that's where I see it often um, is um, there's not trust and it slowly just keeps going like dwindling down and down and then that person leaves and the momentum you had like this is with a client right now i've had i'm working through like you know they've had a few people left and because of trust issues like they didn't trust the company and their managers and direction and they left and now there's a big hole and so now um, instead of working on the business these leaders are trying to hire for this position go through the interview process when they're like, we have all these projects and we can't work on these projects, right. these deliverables. Now, like we have to get someone hired. So now we're taking away from that and then we're going to have to onboard them and train them. And that's just brutal uh, to, to go through for, especially for a smaller business that is reliant on every single person. Mm -hmm. um, that just really slows down things. So not only the drama that can come from a like low trust environment, but then also the turbulence that comes from when that person eventually may leave or you end up terminating their position. Um, most owners that I want, want to like move away from that. And that momentum, like you were saying, like comes from having the right people that you trust that you just know, like, you know, there's alignment on the goals and mission and who's doing what, when, and um, you can trust them. And then you can focus on kind of the things that you love to do that drive the business forward and not have to worry about kind of the other things that you know might be there so yeah yeah that's good that's good that so we talked also a little bit about uh potentially there are areas that people don't connect hr and profit at all they just think that's just a different department <laughs> is there anything yeah. in particular that, that you feel like most people uh miss when it comes to that yeah uh well i just i tell people i'm like look at your budget like if you have employees look at your budget and what is the largest line item on your budget mm -hmm. and chances are it's payroll mm -hmm. right it's yep. your people like for the majority of companies it's that like for usually between 60 to 70 percent like somewhere in there it's average um and uh so i just look at man like if you are not maximizing that resource if one like you've hired people that you don't need to you've overhired you know, um, or even if you've underhired and you're not performing, you're not able to capitalize on the opportunities and the leads that you have, mm -hmm. uh, then that's a, that's a huge issue. And that can, you know, really, you know, constrain like your profit and your, uh, your velocity. And so, um, I always look at like, yeah, like if you want to look at how to drive profit, like look at your people and one, like, do you know that they're performing at their highest? Like if we had a piece of machinery that cost it cost a hundred thousand dollars, like we would have a mechanic, we'd have service. We would be like, Hey, is that thing tuned in? Is it oiled? Is it ready to go? It's like, is it performing at its peak? Are we getting the most like out of that as we can? 
um, with our people, a lot of, especially small businesses, like aren't measuring performance at all. Like they hire people and they're like, well, I just, as long as they're not an issue, just, and they're doing, they show up and they do that, it's great. But I feel like, you know, even in looking at like the parable of the talents, right? It's uh, God gives us like these, you know, resources to steward well, and not just to, you know, get the same and kind of the basic, the minimum, but actually to get a greater return off of that. And so I'm always like, how do you look at that line on your payroll? And how do you invest into that? How do you, it could be making sure you've got the right headcount, like the right, you know, people in the right seats, but then it's how do you, you know, fuel those people and in fueling them, like they're going to thrive. Like I naturally gravitate and like I, my initial belief is that people generally want to do their best work more often. Yep. And so you're like, okay, well, how do we open that up? And if we can open up that at a greater capacity, they will bring in more revenue. They'll be performing at a higher level. Uh, they will go above and beyond those couple of weeks where you know you've got crunch time and like you need to get this deliverable across the finish line. They're willing to do that. They'll go above and beyond for you during that time. Uh, and that then will continue to drive revenue and and they'll be having an ownership mentality. They'll be looking at their costs and what they're spending and where where things are going. And they'll want to make the best decisions because of that. Uh, and uh, so I'm always like, yeah, look at your largest line item in your budget. And then how do you maximize that, making sure that you're good stewards and that it's really fueling your business at the highest capacity that it can. Um, and uh, yeah, so I always, that's, I think people miss that at times. They just see payroll and like, okay, well, we just, we need people because they need us to do the job. But then they might miss like the full potential of that mm-hmm. and not steward it as, you know, I believe that like they're called to. So there, I think a, instinctually, subconsciously, leaders know that people need to be performing well for everyone to hit the goals, right? But it's almost like one of those things that you just check the box and go, yep, we need to do that. And then it becomes so much, so far down the line that people yeah. at least consistently work on that. Is there a particular, cause there's a ton of these, right? You've mentioned, let's see, on the already Simon Sinek has a, a, a program. There's a ton of programs out there to build into your people. If you were to recommend something that you like working with a framework, if it's your own, if it's somebody else's, what, where's someplace they can start so that they can have a place to go to know I'm actually doing something about this. Yeah. I mean, it really, I mean, it, oftentimes when I'm talking with small businesses, it's really pretty simple. Like it's just one, are you meeting with your employees on a regular basis? Yeah. Like there's just like simplicity that so many, just even larger medium sized businesses are missing out on. Yep. It's, are you meeting with them? Are like, if you have managers, like, are they setting goals? Like, we are very goal driven and if, like, are they setting goals? Are they coaching them? Are they holding them accountable? And so I just am like, all right, are you having regular meetings one-on-ones? Like, you know, at minimum, I'm like, meet with them 15 minutes a week and then 30 or 45 minutes, hour, once a month, like at minimum, like some, depending on the levels can be different. Yep. Some have more frequent one hour one-on-ones, but that's just like meet with your employees, have that be their time and develop them like your job as a manager if you have people reporting to you your job number one is to coach is to drive performance in your employees and so doing that you have to have those regular meetings where you're talking about their performance you're developing them and you're you're wanting them to improve 
And then I always am like, you have to have a way to to measure that. Like, are you making a difference? Are they actually there? And um, like, how is your performance management program operating? Is it getting the results to give you the data and the info that you need to make course corrections? Um, do you have one? If not, like implement one. Like you need to be tracking, you know, the performance, not only so you can manage people out, but then that's how you make compensation decisions and mm -hmm. everything else, but ultimately it drives the performance of the whole corporation. So there's so many frameworks out there of goal setting, um, you know, how to manage people. But a lot of times I'm just like, are you meeting with your people? And are you tracking their performance in any way? Are you doing any performance management, you know, program um, going through? So a lot of managers though struggle with the coaching element. And so if I, and a lot of it comes down to, I would say really just having a growth conversation and embracing conflict and stepping into a healthy conflict and giving feedback. And so if there's anything I would say for managers, it's, refine your skills and giving feedback. Um, and um, there's lots of different books uh, on feedback and there's the radical candors of the world. And then there's, um, you know, other, I think Marcus Buckingham had, you know, a whole element on feedback and how to, how we uh, receive feedback and how to do that. But um, if there's anything to drive profit and, um, and to really maximize that in the tools, like I just say managers, like, your skill, you need to be skilled at giving feedback in a way that people can receive it and take action on it and still feel valued in that. Like, yeah. um, and that is going to help you. But so many leaders are afraid of giving feedback. Like it just is, they see things, they, they know that employee is probably underperforming or they see things they could work on, but they just can't get to like say it. Or if they do say it, it ends up being a toxic situation or they just can't say it effectively. Mm -hmm. And so that's one of the biggest skills. I'm like, when new managers come in, I'm like, mm -hmm. you, we have to master giving feedback. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that will, I think all the other things come and, you know, they, there's lots of frameworks and goal setting frameworks and other things you can use, but pick one, pick a tool, yep. master it, make it become, become a habit of yours and ingrain it in your team meetings your culture and um but yeah some of you just don't pick one and they read a book and then they move on but like pick one use it and uh master giving feedback yep that's good uh i love radical candor uh crucial conversations is another one that's yeah. really helpful yep. Um, yep. and so it just it just go pick those books up if you haven't and read through those yeah. um, and, and then uh, practice it too so you'll well, read it but then you got to actually like you have to step in there and I would say like, find someone you can practice it with. Like yeah. your, your spouse is a great person to practice it with, your kids? but, uh, kids. Yeah. Uh, I've taught my kids a model that I use. And, uh, and so they know, like, I think they can probably cue in or like, Oh, dad's probably using this right now. Yep. Yep. Uh, but I'm teaching them how to like identify kind of like what's going on in their head and their feelings, what they want and all of that. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, it's, it's helpful, but you have to practice it, um, and take it with a team, a mentor or a coach and like actually go through and say kind of the dialogue and, and, and practice the tool. Yeah. And so I was actually, the last question we normally end with, but you've kind of answered it. So we'll just refine this if you want to, is, um, if you could leave people, managers, HR people with one task they could go do this week to make 
create more momentum in their business. Um, you just named a good one, which is if you haven't picked a framework, pick it and then practice it like consistently. Mm -hmm. Right. But is there anything else or you want to expand on that? Yeah. Um, yeah, I would say if you don't have, like, again, it kind of comes back to the one-on-one -on -one meetings. If you don't have those right now, mm -hmm. like get them on your schedule, like look at how many people are going to get them on and create a document, the template that you can consistently use and, and you can consistently go to and, and find uh, value in whatever template. There's tons of one-on-one -on -one templates out there. Pick one, use it. Yep. And um, if you're the business owner or high up, um, I would say um, same thing and then drive those goals, like have those and review. Like if you're like, if you have a managers managing managers, like review everyone underneath you. Like, mm -hmm. do you have this? Like, do you have clear goals? Are you talking to your employees? So that's such a critical piece that I would say like, yeah, refine that if like today, focus on that. Um, and in doing that, I think people will feel valued. They'll know where they're short. They'll know where they're, you know, excellent and where they're like, you know, doing well. And they'll have a path forward to, you know, increasing that potential and that value for the company and ultimately that profit. Yep, exactly. And, and radical candor kind of says it this way is that you need to be extremely truthful with high, <laughs> high amounts of caring and compassion. Yeah. It's the Stockdale paradox, right? Good to great. Like he talks about that and it's confronting the brutal facts mm -hmm. with eternal optimism That's is right. kind of the two things. And if you can master that, like you will be a very uh, impactful manager, leader. And ultimately I think your company will thrive if you can do that. That's right. That's right. Cool. Well, so thanks so much for sharing uh, all that stuff with us. That's, it's always good to hear about how to treat people because that always pays dividends uh, in so many ways. So if people want to find you, want to come check you out, want to hire you, want to follow you around on social media, where should they go? Yeah, go over to my website. It's uh, www.talentrealized.co um, and be happy to do a HR strategy call um, for people that want to just talk about an issue they have, a headache, a drama, uh, anything just to get you know an initial conversation. I'm happy to just jump on a call, have a coffee and talk through what's going on in your company. That's awesome. Awesome. Cool. Well, don't forget to subscribe because afterwards you're, we're going to get five more minutes from Phil of stuff that he only shares for my email subscribers. So make sure to subscribe, make sure to come back next week, check out our next episode. And thanks again for tuning in. We'll see y'all next week on the simple profits podcast.